Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up, D2C pod? Uh, today we are joined by Oren Axe, who is um, a creative director and the founder of Atomic Milk Agency. So, uh, Oren, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about your background before you started working at um, Atomic Milk and currently the projects that uh, you're up to. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, I'm Oren, and I'm most uh, famously known for my work on Fire Festival. But before that, I started in the design world and I kind of uh, focused on print design and I was really focused on um, the art and the craft and all these things and started uh, working a lot in like actual print studios uh, in San Francisco and really doing that whole part of uh, design. And then when I moved to New York, I just kind of got thrown into social media by accident, meeting these guys like walking around uh, New York and like running into them a few times a week at these coffee shops in Soho. And eventually they were like, hey, we just started an agency. Like you seem pretty well-rounded. Like at this point I I designed, you know, offices. I've done interior design. I've done for like LinkedIn and, you know, these big San Francisco type offices. Um, and they were just a bunch of guys who quit their jobs and started social pages. So they had no background and they were like, you have background in what you do. Will you kind of come in and do that thing you do for us? And I just started working at Thrillist and I was working there, uh, maybe five months. And I was really trying to like keep my corporate job and be like a good, you know, worker. Cause it took me a while to get that first job in New York. So I was like, you know, keep it. And then these guys just lured me in with like all these like fun projects and kind of the things they were up to. And I'm like, everyone around me was like, you're an idiot if you quit your job at Thrillist. Um, they did give me equity. I was like a founding class member of the company. I was in the first like um, handful of people that were hired, uh, specifically first person for design the design team. And then my first project full-time client i guess you can call them was the fire festival so they came in as friends of somebody at the agency like somebody in their team was friends with somebody on my team higher up and they basically needed everything from social media strategy to influencer marketing but everything else like video or media buying and stuff like that was done by vayner media or like matt projects or some other agency um and then slowly as you know the project continued there was like a little bit of chaos or a lot of chaos but over the course of that project like all the agencies 
basically left like vayner media left you know all these other project uh managers that were like involved at the other agencies and whatever we're trying to we're starting to see the cracks and we're telling us to leave but my like my ceo at the time basically saw this as an opportunity to just grab more business so we when vayner left we basically just said we also do media buying even though we didn't so we all went into like our own little phone booths for the day in the office like all three of us watched every youtube video possible came back out you know taught each other what we learned and then took on i think my first media buy was like a quarter million dollars on facebook uh they all did really well obviously you know like marketing wise we did a, a great job uh fire was taken into a horrible direction by the people at fire so that was out of our control unfortunately and after the festival, I kind of, you know, I was in horror of what happened. And I was like, I just need a break. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I left New York. Um, I went to Thailand. I was like chilling, doing my own thing, dive, learning how to dive. And um, I get hit up by uh, Blade, which is like the on-demand helicopter um, company at, based out of New York and by planet hollywood the hotel specifically um in vegas um they're kind of broken up into different parts but long story short they both somebody at their company messaged or reached out to me and really was like pulling me in to work with them they were like your agency you know could help us a lot and talking to me like i obviously have this experience but they don't know that i'm not an agency so I'm on the beach just trying to mind my own business. These guys are trying to like bring me in for some project that I don't even know what they want and I'm not interested. Um, and it took a few, I don't know. We, we, I took some meetings. I definitely took some meetings. I was like, all right, I'll listen. And then just sat there and was like, how do I start an agency? Like that's... <laughs> How do I become a, from a freelancer to starting an agency? And I reached out to a lot of people who own agencies, like small agencies. I reached out to all these like CEOs and I was like, this is weird, but can you just teach me what you do? And people were kind of, some people were weirded out. Other people were like, present me a problem. Like, tell me what, what, what are you doing? Like, tell me, I'll give, give me a scenario. Um, ultimately, nobody really helped. It was kind of just, you have to figure it out on your own. Like there's no, well, there are books on how to do this. And I read a few and even that, like, there's just no, nothing prepared me. And I fumbled. I like, you know, the first two clients were great. Um, Planning Hollywood crushed it. Basically tried to scale it from there and just didn't understand what scaling meant. Like I didn't, I just, I was a graphic designer. So for me, it was, you do a logo, you finish, you do a poster, you finish. It's not like a continual thing. I didn't understand how to bring in uh, like retainer clients, expanding a team, um, you know, vendors, partnership, like just didn't understand this stuff, like sales, even taxes, you know, I was like messing that all up. And it took a few clients to really understand what needs to work out. It took a few quarters of losing money, of making money and really understanding like 
the boundaries of what I'm able to do and, and like the team that I'm able to bring in can do. Um, and just being realistic, like I'm not trying to become um, like a massive international um, ad agency, but we are happy at the scale that we are. And for now, I think this is like a for now thing. So it's it's definitely like an interesting next chapter after just being a designer. Awesome. Um, no, I that prog- that career progression from you know starting as a designer all the way through um, you know up to the agency is it, it's a it sounds like a crazy one and I, I don't blame you for wanting to just chill out on the beach in Thailand for for a little bit and learn to dive. Um, but Oren, if you could take us back a little bit because um, I think you know I think everyone knows kind of what ultimately happened with Fire Festival and like how it was just a, a total shit show. But in terms of um, from a publicity perspective from a um, promotion perspective like you guys obviously killed it right it was one of um it was one of the most you know hyped up talked about events uh ever right so why don't you walk us through a little bit about um how you were able to um make it so successful who some of the key partnerships you relied on um in the early days to kind of get the word out and how you were able to like drum up the uh, excitement and buzz around uh, the event, forgetting about the whole operational breakdown? I think, you know, in the beginning, there wasn't really a clear avenue of how this was going to be launched. There wasn't a launch strategy. There was more of like, we have a bunch of really good ingredients. We have, you know, the Jenner, like post, you know, we have all these models in the photos. We have, you know, XYZ lined up but nothing is really cohesive and nothing is launching this into the world and showing everybody all at once, like we're here because up until then it was like Coachella and, you know, maybe one other type of festival around the world that would grab like minor attention. And we had these meetings on like what that looks like. And at the time for me, there was, um, there was just an interest it was still my like first, second month, I think, at Jerry Media, and I was still being, I was still very fascinated by the power of what, um, you know, Elliot, who runs Fuck Jerry, the the Instagram. I don't know what how many millions of followers now he has. We were at fourteen, I think, when I worked there. Um, I think he's like at seventeen or eighteen these days, or something. But that really changes every post, like everything you do when you post to that many people has like a very visible effect in society and you could really, um, you know, do all sorts of little things. So we were kind of, we'd play with it. We were just like a bunch of idiots posting memes. Like there was no agenda, but we were like, what happens if we like type the word like with three S's or like say, you know how like there's saying thick with three C's is like a thing on Instagram. It's like, we would do that. We would just post in the caption, just like a different way to spell something and see, or maybe do it a few times in a week and then see if it just became a thing that people commented and were in on and it just became culture. And, and it did. And we were, and and so stuff like that really fascinated me. And before that I'd be able to, you know, affect like a handful of people, you know, maybe a few, like a thousand or two people through my design uh, who would interact with maybe like posters that they would see or design that they would see publicly walking by. 
this was different. This was instant. And this was obviously, and this was like large scale. So I was trying to figure out how do you take graphic design and really scale it um, to this medium. And that's kind of always been my fascination as a designer is just, and I, and I have worked in everything from building apps to print to interior design graphics, which are like hundred foot long, you know, graphics that um, you'll see in like tech offices and stuff. And um, just done a lot of various formats of design. And so for me, this was just like another format. Um, another thing I was noticing was at the time were like the introduction of face filters or they're not even face filters. They were just like filters or like overlays, you know, location, like um, I think Snapchat used to have a lot of like location graphics and we were trying to do a lot of those for fire. Like if you had like an exclusive event at one Oak, like, you know, they had a special Snapchat location filter and what does that look like? And how is that shareable? And all these form, all these formats and all these like um, to keep the brand cohesive that all have a lot of um, power rather than just here's, here's a logo, here's a poster. This actually has like ripples ripples and you can feel the effect and there's a feedback and you can change it and you can adapt and post more and and build and more and build more hype and it's crazy so um i really tried to figure out like how do i take all of this new tech all of this like um messaging that we're trying to convey as the new coachella we kept calling it, like people internally would kept calling it like the new coachella the better coachella whatever and I was like, this has to be huge. This has to be this. So, like, I'm really in my head about this project. And um, and I tried to figure out, you know, like, what are people posting on Instagram? And at the time, it was like, you just posted just general life stuff. Like, it wasn't aesthetic. You know, you still had, uh, like, frames around your Instagram posts. It wasn't, it wasn't like selfies and filters and perfection. And it was like, you'd get seven likes and you were stoked if, if you cared. Um, but there was the chronological order was still a thing. So chronological order was really key to what I was trying to do. And at the time the Victoria's secret, um, fashion show was happening. And I noticed, you know, I don't even follow any of these models, but on my feed, it was like, and at the time it was still like a big event. It was like the Met Gala these days. I mean, they've been canceled now, so you don't hear it anymore. But a Victoria's Secret, like whatever the Angel Show or whatever it was called, like was a moment on the internet. So I was just noticing one day that my whole feed, even though I don't follow anything to do with this world, I follow just like design and cars and whatever. I see every page still has something about, I know everything about this event, even though I had zero, I didn't want to like, you know, look at it or care about this whole thing. And now I know everything about it. So I'm noticing everybody around me is also in my office. They're scrolling. I see over their shoulder. They're all like, it's all the same thing. And it's like same person or other people are posting it, but it's the same. Everything is just Victoria's Secret as they're scrolling down. And it really caught my eye. It's like, you're stuck. You're really stuck. And now you need to know about this. So that little detail, the filters, um, and the fact that everything you posted was very like, here's my life. And this is all you like Instagram is used for made me think of like, well, let's fuck it up. Like, how do we do something? No one is 
used to on here, you know, like, yes, we're used to these location filters that make me like, look like there's like a palm tree here or whatever, but, or I'm used to like a photo of my dog, but what if I just posted an orange square and just fucked with you? Like, what if I was like, Hey, like, (laughs) you know, so it was really about fucking with people. And I had just like this kick of, of being like, what if all these hot models, instead of what they're used, like what you're used to post, like, you expect them to be like every post to just be hot, 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 you know? But what if all of a sudden she posted something that was like nothing like what you're expecting and A, you would be like, hey, where's the stuff I want, you know? And you'd go look for, you'd go on the page and you were looking for it and then you'd be like, what is this? What's going on? You know, so it it was like a whole funnel that I was trying to get you to, but the chronological order got you there no matter whose page. So if you follow any of these uh, models and most likely you followed all of them at once, because that's just a world of its own, you saw like 12 or whatever posts in a row that were just an orange streak. So, um, and another thing like the filters like on Facebook, let's say that, let's say after the the Paris terrorist attack, there was a flag uh, overlay it was just like the French flag overlay or like the gay pride overlay. Um, but it was still kind of like an overlay and you could see the photo. That was like the most you would do in terms of like posting graphics on Instagram at the time. Like there wasn't um, as many creators posting like a full frame piece of, you know, art or whatever. So anyway, so you're used to these filters of like an overlay. I could still see that through it but this was straight up just a solid block. Um, and, and it also just, yeah, happened to do that with a lot of like design theory that I've kind of studied in school of like, you know, like a UPS truck is this massive Brown thing. And it's like this special Brown that they've designed to make sure that it's, and it's trademarked. It's a Brown that is not found in society. It's a special Brown. So when you're looking in society, your eye just stops there because it's this massive thing that is not supposed to be there. So this was the same idea. And I just took all of these things, combined it. Orange was already in their brand colors. I I got the brand um, colors and the logo, the logo I didn't design. Um, I got all of those assets um, handed to me and just took what I could and just was like, blue their other color was like a dark blue and i was like that's not gonna stop anybody in their tracks so orange it just was like by chance by accident it had honestly like all the right ingredients but i just didn't you can't make something go viral really but i mean you kind of can but like there's no guarantee and i just you know this was the strategy and it went from there and everybody posted and it did really well but i think um Ultimately, the great success was just the overall feeling and the aesthetic of everything that I put together. Because, you know, even before the orange tile, there was, um, or with the orange tile, I forget the the order of things, but I think we posted graphics before we posted the orange tile. But um, there's, there was still 10% of ticket sales were sold in the first week with no lineup, no dates i think not even a location just based off of graphic design like you're buying a ticket that you know comes with the flight food whatever like they told you like the basics um but you just saw like the photos and you went for it
so that was pretty powerful. Like I've never, I've never felt, you know, um, the power of graphic design that fast. So it was pretty interesting. And then from there, we just kind of like every second was like a learning process taking like, okay, that worked. What if we like did that plus that, okay, that didn't work. Take that out, make it a video, remix it, like make it faster or whatever. And then everything started having like a templated, because we knew what people wanted. We knew what they liked. So everything was kind of rung. Like I designed it. My CEO would look at it. He'd be like, he was very good at looking at this the same way I was looking at it. And we were both like looking at it through like a lust, like goggles, you know, and just being like, this is sexy. No, not sexy. Okay, this is good. Like I want, I want whatever you're selling. Like we were really trying to get into like this deeper level and we would stay up like all night. I don't know. It was like a very was this the only customer project at the time. Was this the only customer that you guys had at the time? It's the only customer that, or the only client that I had. But at, at the time, we were taking on other um, like smaller posts. Like it'd be like Banana Republic men's line needed right. maybe a, a week of posts, and some other guy would handle that. He would probably do memes like a meme campaign for it that was like branded memes. But this was, the, okay, so the, another reason of why I got fire, it wasn't just because I was the first designer. It, like by the time that they fully came on, there were about three others and one were, was pretty, one other one was very good at what she she does. She came from Vogue. The other the other two were like self-taught. Um, they, they just, saw that I've done campaigns and I've done like bigger projects and I've done everything. I've done everything. So I've, I was able to take on everything and the other campaigns were smaller so they can handle them and work together on them. And, you know, I had no one, I I was literally alone. They were like working on projects together, going on photo shoots together. Like the other three teamed up with another two like office assistants and would do like photo shoots and do all these things all day long while I'm just like yeah like I, I doing think everything. The, the most in, one of the most interesting parts is like the no like the no date almost like the no the no mm-hmm. um you know deadline approach to like doing a campaign because I think you know from the brand perspective I I, I wonder like you know what is it you were trying to sell you know is it a is it a is it fomo is it, it's like what's the real product is like is it fomo is it a mystery um because there isn't any other stuff but yet to do a campaign with no deadline from an execution perspective from your end is like well i don't know that what the timeline is so i don't know at which point to introduce which layers and like by when to intensify each emotion um and how i'm gonna do that with design you know am i giving up too much too early um do i need to space this out oh you're muted Orin. you hear me now okay we were we had a few we had a few um timeline things that we needed to hit there was a tentative dates the festival got changed a few times you know certain things that were like not realistic got pushed back so certain things you'd hit a deadline, you'd win, and then they'd be like, "Oh, we have another two months." So you're like, "Okay, let's let's make it better." But still, like, yeah, it's a little chaotic. I mean, there were certain things like the Kendall Jenner post that took, I don't know, like twenty four hours to put together, and then it was like, "Just post it now, now, now! We're posting now!" And I'm like, 
I was actually on a flight from New York to LA mid flight and their Wi-Fi was down, but you could still text. And like the fire team was like, we don't care how much it costs. You can expense the Wi-Fi, like just post it now. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't post. There's no Wi-Fi. And I had to get, I landed. My parents are like happy to see me, like picking me up. I was like, we got to get home. I got to like get Wi-Fi. And then I get home, I'm on the Wi-Fi. And then the whole thing is not happening. They're like, oh, not happening today. Like maybe tomorrow. And then tomorrow, the same fire drill. And then, you know, nothing for like two weeks. And so, yeah, certain things were really chaotic like that. Certain things like, um, let's say like the, the poster, the lineup poster, I designed like, I don't know, like 60 completely different, completely different layouts and designs. And it was like 11 at night and I was at a bar with like some coworkers and I get a text. My CEO is like, Hey, Grant is not happy with any of these grants, the marketing, um, the CMO of fire who's like two years younger than me he's like 24 at the time and he's the cmo and he's like he's not happy and he needs you know we have to post tomorrow and i'm like why are we posting tomorrow there's just no logic like there's no logic it was just like everything was urgent and then it then there's nothing to be urgent for you know so at 11 at night i'm like pretty tipsy i'm at this like cafe and i'm like with coworkers and I come back outside from a phone call and on, they could just tell on my face, like what's, what just happened, you know, for like six months, I was like a slave at work and everybody didn't talk to me. They just like knew I was like in shit in hell. And like, like poor Oren, like we don't want to talk to him. He might like, you know, fucking die. So they were like, we got the bill. Like, don't worry about it. You know, I ordered like a, like a coffee really quickly so I can wake up. And I just went back to the office and worked till I think 6am. Um, I couldn't even figure it out at that point. I was so stuck. I looked through my old hard drive from college and I just like found all these old designs that just never, I never did anything with. They were just like, you know, cool for, you know, for the sake of being cool. And I just threw shit together and I was like, whatever, there's more options. The client will just, you know, be happy. There's options. And I had like a series of illustrations I was doing in, in college that was, that were like cities that I was visiting. So I just did Honolulu in LA, which was a very short series. Um, but then my friend really liked the illustration and um, she wanted one. She's from Anchorage. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Like as an exercise, so I started it and then I remember like something happened in school and I never finished it. And then we stopped talking. So I had like a fully finished Anchorage poster. Um, I just took it, took out the polar bear, like took out a few things, changed the colors a bit, made it like feel like it's a tropical sunset. The colors were like purple and orange and yellow and whatever. It was honestly the same colors I had for the Alaska one. It was like a Arctic sunset. Um, and they loved it. So from six to eight, I slept in the, like on the couch in the back. They had a, we had a meeting at 8am. They loved it. Um, and my Anchorage poster was the lineup poster, but, um, yeah. So a lot of things that just kind of like had to be slapped together last minute, even, even my fate, my favorite, favorite thing was like when we 
quit and we like we were on the island and we quit and we had to still make an announcement to the public on the Instagram because we controlled the Instagram. Um, me and my CEO, even though we were like, we were so pissed at what was happening. We were still like, this is our baby. Like we got to keep it aesthetic. And not really, we weren't like thinking like that, but we were like, it just has to make sense in the grid. Like we weren't like, it has to be aesthetic. We were just like, this has to make sense. That's like, whatever. I had no Wi-Fi, but I'm like designing on my phone by screenshotting like just a white, background and then like with the this like weird app putting a logo in the center and whatever and it was like that was like the announcement that had just like a perfectly centered logo and then the announcement or whatever and i forget which dj it was it was like some big dj actually it was like whatever some world famous dj on twitter like went off on us and he was like even like after this whole disaster, they, you know, they even focused on like the design and made even their apology letter look aesthetic. I mean, I saw Chrissy Teigen like, um, uh, she, she like uh, she tweeted, um, what did she say? She's like, she she really liked their social media guy. Um, where where is he now? I'm like, what yeah, happened? Know, like anything moment. come out of that? I messaged her back. I messaged, uh, I tweeted at her from the Fire Festival account. I saw she, that. She just never answered. And so I took it as like a, that was, that was, that was it. Um, but she I do know that. Her bluff. Yeah. I like messaged her saying something about like, I want to make grilled cheese sandwiches with her or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw. So, anyway. um, so I, I, you know, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, most people have, have watched the, the documentary. Um, and so a lot of people know how, you know, how the rest of this story unfolds and everything. And so I definitely want to know, like, you know, the, the next phase, um, after this, but before I go to the next phase, I just like, um, you know, I, I saw something where like, I mean, Throughout doing all this design, obviously this is an operational huge fuck up. You're you're the graphic design, you're the media team. You have nothing to do um, with like how this thing gets fully executed. Um, but I, you know, I, I saw an interview where you said some words that I'm like, well, you must have, you know, you must have found some guilt in a sense that like you kind of were feeding this beast that you didn't know you were feeding um and so you know was that was that the case i saw something that you sell you felt like you gave birth to like a satanic child or something and i was like well those are yeah, pretty dark poetic. words but <laughs> exactly i mean yeah because at the yeah. time it, it felt it felt horrible because first of all it was like under federal investigation i was like nothing that i ever planned in my life to do with design everything I wanted to do was just to make pretty art. And, you know, I was doing this print, beautiful print design and like, you know, super like custom work. And all of a sudden, like I get looped into this like federal investigation with a bunch of idiots who just have never had a job in their life. Like again, Billy was a CEO and he was 25 and I'm like 26 and I'm like a veteran already. You know, my C CMO grant is 24, just graduated like a year before and, is a CMO and these kids like derailed my hard work. I, I didn't sleep for six months. Like my, all my relationships, you know, romantic and platonic all suffered or disappeared. And it just, for me at the time, I really, cause I grew up with Coachella, like the first year or two, you know, I used to go to the first years and I, and I remember it as a kid from, I grew up in LA 
like what it used to look like and how it evolved. And I was like, that could be my work soon. You know, this could be something that in 10 years on year 10 of the, of the design, I'll look back and be so proud and whatever. So I put really everything in. This is the hardest I've worked on a project. And um, it felt, yeah, like my, my child. And then when it was taken from me and was like turned into this like monster, I was like, I don't even know who, who, who my child is, you know? So yeah, there was, there was definitely like this ugly moment after, um, honestly, the, when we landed back in New York and got back to the office on Monday, the only thing that mattered to me was if somebody was like, if somebody died or got hurt or something actually serious was happening. And I was like, you know, that's the first question I reached out to everybody about. Luckily that didn't happen. So I could finally breathe. Um, but then it started to unfold after that, like the scale of what happened because it wasn't a federal investigation until like months later, you know? So for me, it was like an everyday, every day I would discover like how much worse and how much worse it's getting. And I was just like, God, let it stop. And it just wasn't. And then at the point where I was like, okay. And then there were two documentaries that were being made. And I'm like, why is this such a fascination? Can everyone just stop? You know, for me, I was so. This is even my line in the Hulu documentary where I'm like in shock. I'm like, there's two of these things, and I'm like, I, I just didn't understand why people were so fascinated with. Um, I guess this really started this whole phenomenon of like fraud, like documentaries and like millennial fraud, whatever. So I had no idea at the time of what all of this is turning into. Obviously, now it's like a whole genre. Um, but at the time I'm like, why does anyone care? It was just like a failed event. It was like somebody's wedding like failed and it was like on America's home, funny videos and that's it. You know, for me, like it was very confusing. So, um, to see kind of the scale again of like the orange tile, the design, the, the, the event, the aftermath, um, documentaries and, even till this day, like we're talking about it and just, it's not over yet. Like Billy just got out a few weeks ago from prison and like, I'm sure, you know, there's, and there's still like lawsuits in the courts still kind of working their way through about this thing. Like it's never over and it's been like six years and it's still, there's still something that it'll, you know, come back around with. So. Well, and I think from a from a design perspective, um, you know, I guess when you're right in the heat of the moment, you're, you're kind of thinking like, why won't this thing go away? Right. But I think the reason there's so much cultural fascination about it is like if you look at the success of what you guys were able to pull off, um, you were able to, like you said, create a cultural moment that like everyone knew about. Right. Um, with something that was like very idealistic. So like everyone wanted to have happen. And then and then the conflict of it was that it broke down in like massive proportions too. So it, it was like the perfect storm or wave. And you guys obviously did everything you could to execute it. But like, I think even if I were to think about recent memory, like I can't even remember a cultural moment where it was like coordinated so well and then turned out like actually being that. So I think that's kind of like that dichotomy where like all the execution and the hype that you built around it was like absolutely flawless to get all of the, top tier like influencers and celebrities together and promoting this event. And then on the other hand, it just totally bombs. Like that's that yes. dichotomy, right? 
Yes. And to answer like earlier, you were asking what was the product and it was, it was, I mean, and we'd have meetings about this. It was like, yeah, FOMO was a part of our strategy. It was very openly spoken of very much part of the strategy and very much ingrained in the design and the, the, even the captions for every photo were meant to make you feel something and, and either that you're in this like tropical breeze or that you're about to miss out on that tropical breeze, you know? So there, there was like definitely a constant weaving of it. Um, and, and it was just something that at Jerry Media anyways, we were doing, you know, we, we were, we knew that this was the new, um, this was just the new age of marketing. And we were just at the forefront of figuring out FOMO and YOLO and all these like new words and, and masking them with a campaign. But ultimately you know, it's, it's something that gives you this, the same, the same thing. So yeah, we were, we were definitely trying to get people to, um, you know, to think of this event, like it's a once in a lifetime thing, they have to go. And a lot of people at first didn't take us seriously, even huge influencers didn't take us seriously. And I remember negotiating with some of them, you know, we would be a lot of, there would be, there was a lot of DM negotiation going on. (laughs) Uh, between me and some of these people that at first was like, hey, post, you know, it was something so small. It was like, post two things, whatever, and we'll give you two VIP tickets, private jet, all-inclusive, like everything. And you get this crazy package. You just have to do this like little thing. And people would like laugh at us. And this was 2015 where people were not making as much money as they are now. So it was still kind of crazy to me that they were saying no. And, and we were in, in that industry. So I knew what people were making. And I was like, this package deal for you is great. But they were like, I've never even heard of you. Like, I don't care. See ya, you know? And then I kid you not, a month or whatever before the festival, every single one of them messaged me back and was like, I'll do any, like literally I'll do anything. Yeah. So, so... so and so then, you know, I think um, based based on that experience, I mean, you then obviously learn everything from A to Z to to um, execute a campaign from, you know, how to how to build the momentum to go in your favor, how to go from outbound to inbound interest from important people, um, celebrities, how to do this with design, how to do this with FOMO, how to do this with content, um, and, and how to do it, you know, on a time crunch. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, this event unfolds the way it did. So you're like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm going to Thailand. Um, so how long were you in Thailand for? Um, and you know, then how, you know, you, you get back and you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to package this up and, 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 you know, start this sort of agency. But, you know, how long did it take you while being out there to like put it together that this is what you wanted to continue doing? Um, because clearly it's a, it's a unique talent that you have. Yeah, that actually, that part took a long time. Um, in Thailand, so I was in, in Thailand for two months and in, in that two months, I started negotiating with Planet Hollywood, um, as an agency, but I wasn't, um, you know, I just faked it and, um, and that took a while. So that negotiation took a while just because they were so, I've never had such a corporate client. So they were trying to just swallow me alive and, 
I, I'm good at negotiations, usually as a freelancer, as a freelance designer, I've always done my own contracts or whatever. I've, I've seen it all. Uh, but this was bigger. So it took a lot longer. So let's say two months, maybe even three, to be honest. Um, and then in that period of time, I started to get, I forget how long after fire this was, but within the first year, like within the first eight months, I would say after that, the whole thing fell apart. So two months into negotiations, um, I'm still in Asia and I get outreach from people that are associated or interested in fire and for other reasons at this time. And this was when I started to understand that there's a documentary. Um, I started to kind of understand that all these people reaching out to me have an agenda and that they're trying to be very nice to me. And like one of them works at vice and one of them, you know, a bunch of people from the old fuck Jerry team who I don't think were friendly to me. But as I left, I took like, it took like six months for me to leave fuck Jerry because I was, I had equity there and they just couldn't kick me out. There was no way to kick me out. And for some reason I was like vilified internally after the whole thing. So they just tried to bleed me out. And um, I basically sat on my computer for six months and like watched Netflix or like, you know, I just like would be like totally, I'd have two monitors. I'd put like my Netflix on one and like my crypto like monitors on like the other and just be like a total fuck you, you know? And it's a small office. So I'm like trying to show it to them on purpose. It's just like, here's my monitor. Look what I'm doing for six months. While the other kids, like kids, sorry, the other designers were like underwater, you know, and they were begging for help or new hires or interns. And I'm like, I'm here. Let me know when you guys are ready. And they'd be like, oh, we want you to work on this thing. And they'd send me on like wild goose hunts of like designing all these like conceptual Instagrams for all these conceptual projects that never happened. Whatever. So six months. And then I spoke with my cousin who's a lawyer and was like, how do I get out of here and keep my equity? I need to get out of here. Um, and she started looking through things and realized I never actually signed um, a contract. So when I first started working, I they sent me a contract that was really strict. And I was like, again, I've I've been used to contracts as a freelancer for a long time. So I was like reading it and I could see that there's some stuff in there that I was was too restrictive. And, um, I had a, f a friend of mine was the general counsel at vice at the time. So a pretty big, you know, lawyer, he looked at the contract, changed up a bunch of things for me. Um, we sent it back to them and they just didn't have a lawyer at the time. So they were like, you know what, just start on Monday, forget the contract, just come on in. I remember that being like, in my head, I was like, that's dumb, but I didn't, know why I was just whatever so I'm obviously a year into working there um and I'm trying to get out and I'm realizing that this equity is also split in a way that they've divided their LLC from fuck Jerry to Jerry Media as the agency which makes the least amount of money what do you meme their card game which makes a ton of money which I wasn't involved I couldn't get you know my equity to touch that 
And now they have like a tequila company, which I'm sure does great and all these other avenues, but they don't, they don't fund each other. And so I realized that I don't get anything from my equity. It's, it's literally just air. Um, and this whole thing is just falling apart now after fuck or after fire, we were like a million dollars in, you know, down. So I took all the files, deleted them from the computers and left. And I was like, these are all mine. I d- I like worked on this on a, my personal laptop for the majority of the project. I own all the Instagrams or the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter, everything was under my personal email. Um, I'm not an employee here, so you can't do anything to me. This is my project. And I knew that they had um, plans to make this documentary, but they just weren't including me. I would see it on the company calendar and ask about it. And they'd be like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, how how are you making this movie without me? I none of you were involved in it, so <clears throat> so yeah, I left. Um, and then again, just as I started realizing that they're calling me uh, months later, as I'm in Asia, they're calling me, and I'm like, they finally realized that the files aren't on the computer. It took them like <laughs> it took them like months, but you know, they went looking and I realized like they were just being like, Hey man, what's up? Hope everything's great. Like, have you seen like this one file? You know, I'm just looking for a file. And I'm like, yeah, keep looking. So, so yeah, I started realizing Netflix behind them. And then slowly I started reading like another article. I saw somewhere that Hulu's working on one. And then I lost it. I was just like, dude, this is out of control. All these big corporations are about to make so much money off of my hard work. You know, it's like the whole project is me. There's nothing there other than a crime. So it's like, what are you going to make a documentary about? Two of them. So that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to reach out to everybody in this article. It was like a Billboard magazine article. And I they they spoke of the producer, the whatever the other companies involved, I think it was like Hollywood reporter was involved or something. So I, I reached out to just anybody I could at these companies, low level, high up, like whatever. I messaged like 30 people on LinkedIn and a few people were like, I don't know what to tell you and really kind of trying to like shake me off. And then within 30 minutes, I got a message from the CEO of Hollywood reporter. And he was like, can we get on the phone? Like right now. So I'm a little, you know, I was a little taken back. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I get on the phone. He's like, can you be in New York this week? <laughs> okay, sure. So I get to New York, you know, I do the whole thing. It's just a sh- the thing moved so fast. Um, and yeah, at this point I'm making the documentary. I've now started, I've already done a, my first campaign for Planet Hollywood at this point. This is maybe a year and a half after fire and then by year two i think of fire i basically um the documentaries came out around that time and that's my my like agency with that i started for planet hollywood kind of just chilled out for a while like from that time i interviewed for the the documentary till the drop of it I was just freelancing like graphic design stuff. It was back to just me. And, um, and um, all of a sudden when this, the two documentaries dropped, they came out the same week. And then I just, like the internet just went crazy. And, you know, 
I went viral. I didn't expect this whole thing to catch me, but I was living abroad and I was like just hiding under a rock, doing my own thing. <clears throat> and I wasn't ready for it. And I, and a lot of companies came to me at this point. This is when I needed to figure out like fast how to start this agency again, but like a for real this time, because the first time I learned a lot of things doing Planet Hollywood, but it was like one off and it didn't feel like a, like an ongoing thing. I didn't see how it was going to continue. Um, but now there was like an avalanche of brands that wanted to work with me and it was overnight. So this is when I start reaching out to all those agency heads and I'm like, I'll even cut you a deal where we go 50, 50, I use your workforce and we just, you know, get through all, like I have a mountain of, of brands and they're big, they're big brands. And some of the, and a lot of these agency heads were like, not into it. And I just had no one, I was just sinking. And I'm like, every day I felt myself sinking and more and more and more requests and more, you know, I'm just leaving money on the table. And I went from being like at zero to all of a sudden there's just like a mountain at the door of money. And I'm like, hey, I'm about to fuck this up. So I took another month off and I went to Greece to this like tiny village. And I just like hold up in this like little cabin. There's like no roads to me. There's no internet. I have like, I'm hot spotting to my laptop. I'm just in the middle of nowhere. It's like a two hour car ride to me. And so I'm focusing like this was me trying to just like, I ran away from, you know, people like wanting to work with me, which was stupid in hindsight, but I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I need to just get the fuck out of here. Sat in this room for a month, really just went through, I was like making lists and, you know, plans and whatever, calling these other people to help me form this thing and friends that wanted to make partnerships and really just trying to find somebody anybody who could like figure this out for me because I was I just didn't know where to begin and it took me like literally 26 days to get to the point of being like I know now how to do this it's by just telling them all to go away I actually don't want to do all of this I was like I don't want an agency like I never wanted it it just is not what I want but I will take on a few projects. And so I, 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 I didn't structure it as a serious agency. I was just like, we are an agency, but we are going to approach this just like I'm walking in. I'll grab, you know, whatever snacks on the shelf. And I'll go back to my table and start snacking. I'm going to keep it real low. And like, this isn't like a four course meal we're going to keep this very simple and I'm not going to, you know, I don't like till this day, I do the same thing. Like till this day, my web, my, like my agency atomic milk doesn't have a website. We've just never had time. We've just been working. Like we don't have time to make a website. You know, I don't do 20 page uh, decks when I do like a brand, like when I start a client project, I don't dive in and do a 20 page, you know, deck with all these things. Nobody wants to read. We don't do any of that stuff. I'm like, we're just getting to work. Like the the longest process for us is usually the contract, like upfront. I'm very finicky about contracts these days, as you can imagine. But, you know, I've just taken everything and realized in that month in Greece that there is a lot of work to do in an agency. And the only way that I'm able to do it is if I keep it as simple as humanly possible 
even like not having an office and paying all these overhead things and making this feel bigger than it needs to be. Because ultimately my projects start as just somebody comes to me. From there, I go and find the team, I assemble a team, and we become, you know, the agency. So it's always different. Every project I have is different. I call it like a hybrid agency. Um, and it's a nice, nice little thing that I do for a lot of clients that sometimes will come to me with an issue or like they need manpower fast. And I just tap my network and I'm like, we're 20 people deep, like next morning. So, but if we needed to, we'll be like just me, you know? So it's, it's a really nice model. A lot of clients really love that and really, you know, lean on that. And sometimes we come in full force and then slowly wean off, let them build their internal team. And then we advise and just kind of like set them on their way. So a lot of, a lot of different formats of even how I work. It's not even, sometimes it's not even design. It's just like helping somebody with the problem of internal structure of their company. You know, like the things that we I do these days are so far away or not far away, but they're so varied um, to where I started. And people just keep coming with all these like interesting problems and they're all different. And the tie again is social media in some respect. Um, but yeah, we've taken everything we've learned, good and bad, and and started this this thing as as you know one of, if not the only, social agency in the world that knows how to handle this level of of a campaign. Um, I think you were saying, yeah, it's like I did Fire Festival, the biggest social media campaign ever in history. Like I can't think of another one or an influencer campaign that had you know, the ripple effect that it did um, till this day, like people have not put that budget in. So taking it from that to where I am today, I think is priceless for a lot of my clients because they get, they get the epic failure that you can't buy. And a lot of agencies don't have the offering to know the lessons that came from that. And then on top of that, I have my own personal, um, like a third perspective, it's not like the client side or the can or the um, agency side. It's also the going viral side, which is like almost from a side angle, and knowing what to do and what not to do. If you are going viral, or if you're getting canceled, or like something is of the moment, like a disaster or a good thing, you know. But social moves fast, and you need to be like have a strategy that's like made in thirty seconds. And so that's, that's, you know, something that no one else can offer that I specialize in, basically. So one, one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about, um, I think you, you nailed it. And um, even as you were thinking about, do I want to be an agency? Do I not want to be an agency? Right? Like, I think the takeaway lesson there is like, you need to do the things that you want to do. And if running a bunch of of running a bunch of uh, back of the house stuff and doing this to create this agency. And you're like, no, I just want to get in and I want to do what I do best and help brands like solve their problems in in every way. And at the end of the day, like I think what's neat about graphic design is as a graphic designer, you're basically solving puzzles all day, right? Like you have a problem, you have an objective, and then you're moving uh, words and text and images and pixels around to like solve that problem. And like, um, you know, even going back to what you did with Fire, like you used color and 
promotion to like, you had a problem, you had an objective and you use graphic design to go tackle that, right? So I think the takeaway here is, um, you know, stay true to what you believe and, and go after that rather than, you know, just because a bunch of people are saying, hey, we want you to be an agency. And you're like, no, that's like not really my deal. Um, but the next question I'd have is, I think the point you brought up about social moves fast and how like the social landscape we were in in 2015 when you pulled off fire, like it it required the right sort of preconditions for you be, you to be able to pull off um, an event just like that. And you needed to be ahead of what everyone else was doing to be able to create that impact, right? Obviously a ton has changed over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. So today, what's your take on just social as a whole, right? Like since then, you know, we've seen advent of TikTok, we see, um, you know, Instagram, every brand's on Instagram, um, you know, Facebook's almost dead in a lot of ways, but you know, maybe there's an older segment hanging out there. So if you just had to like, you know, give us the way you think about social, like what's your interpretation of the landscape today? And what are the things that brands or your clients, you know, you might be thinking about to be able to stay ahead of the, the pack? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting um, space these days because it has become so commodified. Like when we were, I think after fire, the conversation of of somebody has to do something about hashtag ad became a thing, you know? And so we started that and now it's like they have a store on Instagram, you know? So things have really changed to be celebrating the things that we were like, what if? And now it's like the norm. We were like, what if you could sell stuff in this way um, with memes, you know? And now meme marketing is like, <laughs> there's like a bunch of agencies who do it and they're all people I knew back in the day who quit their other agency jobs and were memers that, you know, so it's like, I know all these kids and I see what they're doing and they're all, you know, they're all making a nice dollar. And it's like, just because we've been around for so long that we know how, how to play it. But I just feel like no one is doing anything like really good or like really interesting you know i feel like there needs to be um i don't know i just I've, i haven't been inspired in a very long time on social and yeah there's like cool trends and you know beautiful things and aesthetic pages and products that i buy and whatever but i'm never like whoa or like sharing pages with people being like we have to do this. We have to go to this festival in the Bahamas. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm like, there's no, there's no like energy that I feel on, you know, and a TikTok, I'm already like, it, it's just a bunch of fluff to me and nothing there. And it's great. It's all great. You know, obviously people work very hard to make it great, but I'm not, I'm not it seeing more creativity. I feel like, like, you know, like what you were saying earlier with like the Instagram chronological like you could fuck it up like you could just pop something in there but like yes. TikTok just doesn't that doesn't they don't they don't reward creativity almost in a way i mean they do but it's a it's clearly a very tiktok has a different definition of what to consider creative than yes. what you would consider creative in early um you know social because creative under their algorithm not true creative yeah and i think a lot of a lot of that has to do with people wanting to be part of the meta and the tiktok like umbrella and they want to be friends with them whereas 
um, when we started Fuck Jerry, like, or the Jerry Media Agency, like, there was, we had no, no one at Instagram who wanted to talk to us. You know, if we lost an Instagram page with like millions of followers, we were screwed. And um, even getting the, the Fire Festival Instagram account verified was such a process for me. Like, you know, things that should not be so, so complicated, but um, we weren't friends. We weren't friends with the, the, the agency, with the, with the corporate, you know, side of things. And I think now everybody wants to be part of that. So everybody just wants to fall in line and just do good and wants the algorithm on their side. And everyone wants to look shiny and pretty and fun. And it's great, but at the same time, it does start to feel the same and everyone just kind of copies everyone and again it looks good it's fun it keeps you entertained but i'm not seeing anything that really is like um challenging anything or or even seeing like you know there's there's that one guy pablo roshat or i can't pronounce his last name i don't know if you guys know him but he does stuff on Instagram that I really actually find they're so simple and they're just, he rethinks, you know, a lot of things. I think if somebody gave him a lot of money to do a big campaign, he would figure that out. Um, but there's not a lot of creatives out there that I see that are really doing anything that is meant to fuck it up. They're all just like, I just want likes on this piece that I worked so hard on, or I want, you know, to be friends with the meta, you know, teams so they can help me get verified down the road or whatever so it does feel it does feel like there is a um yeah like nobody's really looking into to disrupt like that whole world loves to talk about disruption but they're not yeah and i think even if you just like look at the whole landscape and the time you were in an instagram like it was a new platform right and a lot of times when new platforms emerge and new things emerge that's when there's opportunity for disruption because it's early days but like we've seen like mobile has played out over the last, you know, it's been like 12 years now since like mobile has like really been a thing. Everyone's had like internet in their pocket all the time. We've seen social from Instagram, TikTok, all these different things. And like, like you're saying, like, it's just about getting likes, TikToks. It's like, how can I beat the algorithm? How can I create content that's going to be clickbaity and make people watch all the way to the end? Like, okay, yeah, we can do that, but it's not. Or watch it over and over. Exactly. So you'll, you'll get more views and the algorithm will feed you. But, um, you know, true creativity, um, you know, requires pushing those boundaries. And sometimes you need a little bit of disruption to, um, you know, step into a white space. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I see it with my clients today. Like I, I really was hoping and, and I actually expected it after like when that when that big amount of clients came to me after the documentaries. I really expected and hoped that these major players would come to me and be like, we loved what you did. Here's a huge budget to do something just as big. And then what came out of that actually was a bunch of people being like, we have no budget, do the same level of work. And I'm like, I don't get it. So even till today, I have not seen the same budgets or even similar budgets or even close to fractional of the budgets. But I think it could, like I'm always thinking of these crazy things that could be done, but I'm like just waiting for somebody to be like, let's do it. You know, let's do something big. I think a lot of people are just scared or like, don't, I don't know. So, so, so what's next? Like, okay. So like, you know, there is, there is, there is nothing interesting happening. Um, so 
therefore there's probably a white space it's gonna happen somewhere at some point again um in the sense of like you know a huge campaign like this being executed in the right way i guess for like listeners who might be brand owners or whatever like what are some of the elements and components i think that you're looking for that you believe might make the right or best kind of customer because what i was thinking through is like well you know, do you do you need them to have like a big audience already? Because in order for you to test and iterate what catches, like you can't just do that from scratch with an account that like has no following. So um, yeah, like, you know, what is the ideal, you know, scenario for a customer? I mean, the ideal, ideal scenario is that, yeah, you're cool and popular and you have a big budget already. Like easy, best client ever, you know? I think those rarely show up. Um, <laughs> I have had some, and I think, you know, the point that I'm trying to say is that you just can't guarantee, like I said earlier, going viral. You could throw a bunch of money and, you know, buy up the right ingredients, but it doesn't mean you have a good chef or you have, you know, an audience that even likes that food or whatever metaphor you want to stick to, but I'm trying to treat every one of my clients, you know, with the same amount of, with the same goal at the end. It's just succeeding um, above what, you know, is expected. I don't expect everybody to go viral, but I do expect to push their projects to levels that most people can take it. And just to make sure my clients are impressed. I want to make sure that they're seeing, you know, that I'm taking it down avenues that other agencies can't take it down and for them to see, you know, that they're getting a special experience. So with that, you know, it comes sometimes um, a client who actually realizes they want the boring thing that everyone else gets. So they, they leave, they want that same, you know, whatever, which is fine. It filters out the good and the bad. Um, but then you just have some that are just looking to have fun and are really just looking to, they know that their product is not maybe hot, you know, because of pop culture or sexy because the models are all wearing it or, you know, whatever you want to say. It's, they know it's just a good product um, and they just need a, a way to present it to somebody and we need to find that somebody. And then what do we say to them? And then once we, you know, what, what's the message or like, why is this so great? And then where do they hang out like online and offline so we can go target them and then go say that thing to them. So this is the kind of thing that I always start my, my clients with is it's this unofficial method, I guess, that I've kind of come up with. That's like the who, what, where, when, why scenarios. So you're like, who are we talking to? Okay. And then what do we want to say to them about this product? Like what's so great about us? Like what's, you know, and then who are they? Where do they hang out? Like I said, um, and then like, if they're in this like niche part of Reddit, how do we get to them? And, and just kind of going down this funnel of like, and, and then ultimately why are we doing this? Like, why, why do they, why are they going to come and join this service or buy this product or give a shit, you know? Um, and if we can figure out like a pretty good path in those and figuring out, you know, and, and the client has the right headspace of just being like, 
we just want that audience to know we exist and just, we just want to like start a dialogue or like, we just want to put ourselves out there, but in front of the right audience. I think that's the best, like lowest bar you could start at and just the, the right mindset. Because if you're like, we want all the downloads, we want all the sales, we want all, like to be cool, the coolest, whatever. I'm usually, I'm like, I can't help you, you know, like, first of all, I can't, I can't help manage your expectations. That's really it. I can, I can help you. I can do all the things that I do and run it through all the services that we we offer, but it's ultimately like your mindset and, and expectations that I'll never, I'll never. Yeah. Look, I, I've, I've come from the influencer marketing space and I totally relate to that. It's like, look, you sound like you have way bigger problems than marketing. <laughs> like I, yes. like you have, it usually is. Yeah. And like, not even just the business, like they go beyond, like you also have a problem in the way you think, approach things and mindset and are desperate for distribution. And like there, a lot of those things are completely out of my control. Um, so I totally hear what you're saying. Like it has to be the right person with the right mindset who really understands what they're going after. But, um, regardless, Oren, this has been a sick episode. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad to know you're making it on the other side and I'm, I'm thrilled to, you know, continue watching your, your, maybe, maybe that white space of that next campaign is, is not out there because it's for you to execute. It's coming though. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Just looking for the right client. Yeah. But thank you guys. Yeah. It was great to share everything that I've gone through and um, I'm glad this uh, there's yeah. people out there that find it interesting and hopefully something I said today could help or inspire someone listening. No, the, yeah. This, this was awesome. So, so for our listeners and anyone listening, where, where can they connect with you? Where can they, I know you said atomic milk, you don't have a website. So, uh, where do we go to find you? Are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Um, where can we find well, you? atomic milk, atomic milk.com is a working website that you can submit, uh, a contact. It's a contact form. So if you want to work with me, reach out professionally there. Um, but you could also reach out to me on Instagram where I'm just orange juice O R E N j-o-u-s and i handle you know private and business on there that's just my easiest contact but yeah i'm i'm just you know i'm happy to to meet people help them meet clients any anyone who's interested or hears this like feel free to reach out sweet sweet thanks man thank you thanks guys later